Hi guys, I'm Marie. And I'm Maddie. And we are here today recording Lost in the Woods. Hello. Yes, hello. <laughs> Get off your phone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to make a comment on a TikTok. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> today we are bringing you the lost city of Akakor. Hopefully that's how you pronounce that. In 1972, in Brazil, a man emerged from the Amazon wilderness claiming to be a prince from the undiscovered Ugla Magulala. That sounds very made up, by the way. Yeah, that does sound made up, that sounds like. Okay. There's a curse of this place? This place has a curse? Yes. These were the descendants of an ancient civilization from the twin golden cities of Akakor, and Akahim. His unusual story intrigued many over the span of decades and led to the suspicious deaths and disappearances of four people. I'm excited. I just, I'm not excited for the story because I just looked it up and there's a curse. Now, this man's name was Tatunka Nora. And I will say that he has never been charged with any of the murders or disappearances discussed in this episode. He is only known as a person of interest. The Amazon, as most people are aware, is the largest tropical rainforest in the world at roughly the same size as the continental United States. That is crazy. Yeah. Um, It covers almost 40% of Brazil, as well as parts of Peru, Bolivia, Ecuador, Colombia, Venezuela... Guyana and Surinam. The rainforest is drained by the Amazon River, as well as over a thousand tributaries, a few of which feature in this case today. It is a dangerous place to be with the factors like heat, flooding, animals all contributing to deaths which occur there. The rainforest is thick and dense, and villages and towns are often hundreds of miles apart, with little in the way of medical assistance outside of the major cities. So, that being said, we did the one in the rainforest, remember? Yeah, the one... The guy who survived in the rainforest, wasn't it? Oh, there's that guy, and then there's also the other one that we did in the rainforest. The one that we thought was going to be like a murderous drug cartel one, and it turns out that it's not that at all. What was his name? Cody Romandial. Yes, Cody Romandial. That was that one. So, yeah, we've done Cody Roman Dial, and then what was the name of the guy that survived in the rainforest? Because that one was goddamn tragic. The one where he, like, impaled himself on the stick? Yeah, and they, oh everybody everybody got foot rot or whatever the hell Oh, God, and his foot was just, like, falling off. <sighs> Sick. So we know the jungle can be Isn't it this a one? treacherous place. Lost in the jungle? Mm-hmm. With Yossi? Yeah, Yossi. That's Yossi. right, with Yossi. Marcus, yep. Carl... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's a crazy story, too. That story's insane. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are our other two we've done in the rainforest. Uh, you can go listen to those ones. Those ones are pretty goddamn insane. You're going to have to do a lot of scrolling through the episodes to find them. Yeah, there are they're... ways down there, but both of those ones are crazy. One is called Lost in the Jungle, and the other one is called... Looking or find looking for Cody Roman Dial. Finding Cody Finding... Roman yeah. Dial, yeah. In 1972, a man named Tatunka Nora emerged from the Amazon jungle and into Rio Bronco 
a city in the north of Brazil. Matching his wild appearance was a wild story of a lost civilization and an untouched tribe called the Uga Mangulala. That was pretty good, I think. That sounded legit, right? Yeah. Yes. Are you just saying that? (laughs) No. Okay. According to Tantunka, he was the son of the tribe's chief man and a kidnapped German missionary and lived with his people in the Amazon wilderness after they had abandoned their civilizations many centuries ago. So this man wanders out of the jungle Mm -hmm. and says that he is part of this lost tribe in the jungle. Okay? Okay. And his dad is the chief, and his mom is a German missionary who was kidnapped by the tribe. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So he just came out, came out the forest? He ju- yeah, he just came out of the forest with this story. All right. Now, the story is not unlike many others to come out of the South American jungle, though it is more recent. The 16th century tale of El Dorado, or the more contemporary story of British explorer Percy Fawcett, who disappeared while looking for the ancient city of Z in the 1920s. So... It's not completely original. It's not the first person. Yeah. Now, Tantuka's story enthralled many, but none more than Karl Brugger, a German photojournalist on assignment in Brazil. The pair first met in Manaus. And on hearing... Tatunka. Tatunka. No, Tatunka's fantastic claims, he set out on an expedition with the man to search for the lost city of Akakor and the riches hidden there. Brugger actually documents his journey and details of Tatunka's story in the book, The Chronicles of Akakor. Now, I actually tried to find this book, and it is so expensive everywhere. It's like $80 to $500 online. So if anybody has a used bookstore near them and can find this book for me, I would like to find it. You know where you should go? That really old bookstore in Marysville. Yeah, but I'd never be able to find it probably. Yeah, but I feel like that's the type of bookstore you'd find yeah, it in. Yeah, probably. The, the ones like that, you know, literally this bookstore, is it's down the street from where um, I grew up. stacks and stacks of books everywhere. Like, it's like two stories. It's huge. There are so many books. Yeah. Literally Everywhere. It looks like a bookstore from a movie. Like, it doesn't look real inside. It does. It looks like a bookstore from, like, an 80s movie where they're, like, looking for, like, some book on witchcraft or, like, something or it, like that. I think it looks like a bookstore from, like, Harry Potter. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. there's... Uh-huh. Like, it doesn't look real. It does not look like a real bookstore. Yeah. On September 25 of 1972, Brugger, Tadhunka, and a photographer set off on their expedition with a plan to take a boat up to the Rio Piras, canoe up the Rio Yucca to get into Peru and then make the rest of the journey through the Andes on foot to get to the secret city. So also this trip was estimated to be only six weeks, which if you really actually estimate it, it's like a thousand miles. So I don't know how realistic six weeks is. Yeah, I don't either. But also... Also, we know how dense 
Right. I feel like There's if anything, lot. it would take longer through this terrain. Trench but some foot, of it trench is foot, trench foot, trench foot, trench foot, trench foot, trench foot. But some of it is on water, which trench foot, which moves fast. Trench foot. <laughs> I literally am terrified of getting my feet wet. I'm literally going to cry. I literally want to have a panic attack every time I get my feet wet while backpacking. Yeah, the one time that I got my feet super wet while backpacking, I was doing the enchantments, and it's like over 20 miles. I did it in one day, and it is a shit ton of elevation. And just before we started, like, the intense, thanks, just before we started the intense downhill, I walked across this water dam and water just like gushed over my shoes and got me completely soaked. So I did the last like eight miles downhill with soaking wet feet, like water squishing out of my shoes. And I lost three toenails and got like, I basically got trench foot. I felt like, like my feet hurt so bad. But here's the thing, is that that's nothing compared to trench feet. Your feet literally rotting off of your body while you're still walking. Yes, so gross. I'm literally not okay. I'm not okay with trench foot. My feet hurt Now that I'm aware that it's a thing and I'm not okay, it's it's literally... It's real. So according to Brugger, they came... They came close to their destination. Okay. So... Oh my god, calm down, I'm running ahead, holy shit, my god, it's the first thing I've ever read. And you're already messing up. Okay, so according to Brugger, as they came close to their destination, Tatanka painted himself with war paint of his tribe. Oh shit, is he like, roping them in? Is he kidnapping them? Into the tribe? No. Holy shit. No? No. Okay. Okay, so just ten days from their destination... The canoe capsized in the rapids, and they lost half their food and equipment, forcing them to turn back. Which is the smartest thing to do in this situation. However, that would be so frustrating. Yeah. Despite the fact that they never actually found Akakor, the book quickly became a sensation. Because it's kind of like treasure hunting, right? Like, there's the promise that there's, like, these treasures and gold at this lost civilization with this lost tribe. So this lured all kinds of explorers and treasure hunters to South America in order to search for the lost city. So many people probably died. The only problem being there was no proof that the city even existed except the word of one man. And only he knew how to find it. Tatanka was more than happy to act as a guide, taking people into the jungle on search for the lost city. And you guys, Three of these people would never return. So, is he taking people to his civilization? No. So, who is Tatanka Nora? We've heard a bit about his story, and it seems too fantastical to be real. And that might be because it is. According to the German FCPO... Yeah, which is the Federal Criminal Police Office, which is kind of like, I think, their version of the FBI... Someone, yep. So someone who's a uh, German, let us know if that's correct, because we have German listeners. Yeah, we do. God, we have quite a few German listeners, yeah. I think. So the man calling himself Tintakanara is actually German-born Hans Gunther Hawk. Yep. So he's not Tatanka. Nope. And we will post the side-by-side pictures, and we don't know one hundred percent. Okay, so it's not like a hundred percent. Well, so Hans Gunther Hock was born in Coburg, Germany on the 5th of October in 1941, and he led a relatively 
unremarkable life up until he disappeared in 1966, leaving behind a wife and three children. The last known record of him was of him working on a freighter ship, Dorth Holdenhorf, before he disappeared after the ship docked in Brazil. Oh my God, it's totally him. Are you kidding me? In 1996, his ex-wife actually flew to Brazil and identified Tatanka as her husband, Hans Hawk. So this man was just a brilliant con artist. It looks that way. Is he? Are people paying him for tours and guides? Uh-huh. Yeah, of course. Uh-huh. The city does not exist. Now... His appearance was one of a tanned white man, not similar at all to other native tribesmen. But he did say that... His mother, yep. He also had a strong French or German accent, which he explained away by his mother being a German missionary who had been kidnapped by the tribe. So he's saying that his strong German accent... Is because his mother was a missionary. Well, you should have faked an accent, first of all, buddy. That would have been your smartest thing to do. Well, I don't know. You still got away. You still got away uh, with this. I thing. mean, seriously. Now, after the success of Carl Brugger's book, despite not actually leading him to Akakor, Tintanka begins leading others on expeditions to find Akakor in Peru and its sister city, Akraham, in Brazil. Akakor and Akahim. I know. I don't know. I'm probably saying them wrong. One of these explorers and the first to not return from their expedition was John Reed. Okay, so John Reed was a 28-year-old American man who, after reading the book by Carl Brugger in the library, decided to set out to search for the truth himself. At first, he sought out the writer, who suggested he check it out. Naturally, this led him to the only man who was able to guide him to the lost city, Tatanka himself. According to his sister, John was always looking for the answer to things. He was intrigued by the supernatural and UFOs. Sandy Reed describes her brother as intelligent and creative. He also apparently composed his own book of UFO sightings. Yeah. John became obsessed with the story of Akakor and even got a symbol from the book tattooed over his heart. Yeah. It's a little, little much, little obsessive. Uh, John Reed traveled to Brazil, where he met Carl Brugger in Rio de Janeiro. Allegedly, Carl had told him to keep his search for the city secret. In November of 1980, John made contact with Tatanka and asked him to guide him to Akraham. This after two solo expeditions to find Akakor were fruitless. Tatanka said he had two conditions John would have to agree to before he took him. One being that he must live amongst the natives for two years to prove that he is worthy. And the second, that he must write letters to the authorities and his family explaining that he was planning on staying in the jungle for a long time and that he had full trust in Tatanka. Red flag. Red flag. If anyone tells you you need to write letters Don't write letters. If anything, write a letter saying, I think this guy might take me into the forest and kill me. So please hunt him down if I don't come back. Oh, God, it's one of those things like you see this from the outside and you're like, uh, I know. Well, it's the same thing with the one that we the one case that we did where the guide was taking them in and we're like, oh, he's sketchy. Um, but that one was less sketchy than this. I know. I know. The letters confirmed through handwriting analysis 
two have been written by John. So he did write these letters, and they stated that he was just one or two days' walk from Akraham. <coughs> Bless you. <coughs> Good? Yeah. That he was safe and that Tatanka was an honest man. In the letter, he included a photograph of himself in an unknown location in the wilderness. And this was the last proof of John being alive, and he has never been heard from again. Okay, so I wonder if it, so he's, he probably realized that this man is way too obsessed. And if I don't help him find this city, then he's going to go out and try to find it for himself. And then he's going to expose me as a liar because he's so obsessed with this. Yeah, or maybe he tried, maybe he wanted to steal his money. He probably had a bunch of money on him. I mean, oh, he's well, planning on being out there for years. Yeah, well, I, this makes me sound like he's planning on killing him already. Like yeah. him having them oh, write the letters and stuff. 100%. But I'm wondering if his thought process behind it was that this man, if like he's going to do whatever yeah. he can to find this city, no matter what I do. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I have to kill him or he's going to expose me. Yeah. So the disappearance of John Reed was never properly investigated when Tatanka Nara came out of the jungle alone, nor was there an official search. Right. So the letters alarmed his family, but ultimately they decided to respect their son's wishes and not send search parties to bring him out of the jungle in the first few months that he had disappeared. Yeah, and... After a few months goes by, I think this starts to change for them. And his sister Sandy actually made it her lifelong mission to find out what happened to her brother. And in 1989, almost a decade after her brother went missing, Sandy went to Brazil herself to search and to confront Tatanka about her brother. Though she was dissuaded by the Manaus prosecutor from talking to him as it was too dangerous. Which Manaus is a city in Brazil, in case anyone's curious. Yes, good job. While in Brazil, Sandy was told that when Tatanka delivered the letters to the American consulate, he had also given them John Reed's return plane ticket, passport, and the dog tags that he had been wearing. I don't like that. There's no way he'd give him his dog tags. I don't buy it. No. This, um, if you know anybody who wears dog tags... They're not taking them they're off. They're not taking them off. No. First off. Second off, someone who wears dog tags, you get their dog tags when they're dead. Also, why would he even turn these things in? That's so weird. That makes him look suspicious as hell. This revelation made Sandy sure that her brother had met with foul play. Oh, I yeah. agree. So next year in June of 1990, Sandy came back to Brazil to confront Tatanga. And get his side of the story. And this interaction was filmed by a documentary filmmaker, mm-hmm. Wolfgang Brog, who was conducting his own investigation into Tatanga. Um, Tatanka? Tatanka? You're saying kind of with a G. Sorry. Okay. I'll switch it up. My bad. Said it right. Tatanka seemed friendly but evasive. And the story that he told Sandy was completely contrary to the one that he had told Brazilian officials who had questioned him in the disappearance. So in the video, Tatanka tells Sandy that he thought John was a geologist. Yeah. Interesting. And that he had taken him into the jungle around the Rio Padari River to look for minerals. 
Yep. But he's not a geologist. Nope. And he actually flat out denies that he had agreed to take John to his tribe and show him Akraham. This is directly in contradiction to the letters that Tatanka himself wrote to the Reed family claiming he went back for John after three to four months and couldn't find him, but offered to go again and search for him if they paid him $1,500. He also tried to make Sandy believe that John may still be alive, telling her that rumors of a tall white man who was living in the native tribes. John is dead. John is dead. So, in search for her brother, Sandy also heard a story from an explorer named Ferdinand Schmidt that while traveling with Tatanka, they had allegedly found a hammock with human remains inside and that Tatanka had told him that they belonged to John Reed. Which Tatanka later said was a joke and that they were just animal bones. Yeah, because what is an animal doing in a hammock? Yeah, exactly. So no physical evidence has ever been discovered as of now, and John Reed has now been missing for 41 years. Which is crazy. I mean, those ju- that jungle is insane. I mean, Oh, so hard to find anybody in there, especially if somebody doesn't want them found. Yeah, so like for our Cody Roman Dial case, they knew his route. They knew where he would be going. Somebody had seen him the day before he went missing. Yep. Yeah. And they still couldn't find his body at all. Oh, years. It took it years. It took years. Yeah. yeah, I know. Now, the second person to disappear while on expedition with Tatanka was Herbert Vanner in 1983. Herbert was a 24-year-old Swiss forestry warden, expert, and outdoorsman. According to his brother, Herbert wanted to set up his own farm in Brazil, but like so many others, he was enamored by the tales of the lost city of gold and set out on a journey with Tatanka and a New Zealand woman named Madeline Plummer to search for Akraham. The trio were pictured together at several stages along the trip, but it was only Madeline and Tatanka who returned. Unlike the disappearance of John Reed, there was an investigation into Herbert Vanner going missing. When the Brazilian police questioned Tatanka, he claimed that he had told Herbert to meet them back at the boat at noon. And after he didn't show up, Tatanka shot into the air three times to warn him that they were leaving. When Herbert still didn't show up, the pair got into the boat and left. The investigation stalled at this point. So basically Tatanka probably murdered him in the woods with another person with them too yeah but the like letting him know that they're leaving and then the girl's like probably like no we have to wait and he's like no like how are you well the story changes too oh perfect yeah now after seven months an almost fully intact skeleton was found by woodcutters in the same area of rio Acra that herbert had disappeared from With a bullet hole in the back of the head. Which, remember, he shot off three times. Actually, according to her, he didn't. But listen to this. Alongside the body were an army beret, a single bullet, and a casing, and a pair of sneakers. For some reason, word got out to a Swiss dentist, Dr. Kuntz, who was traveling in the nearby area with his wife. And he went to the crime scene and recovered the intact lower jawbone, and fragments of the upper jaw to take back to Switzerland. Though it's not super clear why. Mm, Identification, maybe? 
Uh, maybe he thought that it would be not handled by the locals well or something. I don't know. Yeah. Now, once back in Switzerland, Dr. Kuntz forwarded the jaw to Zurich police for further investigation. After several months of forensic investigation, the remains were confirmed to be that of Herbert Vanner. Now, it is at this point the West German police name Tatanka, or Hans Gunther Hawk, as the prime suspect in this case. But the Brazilian investigators blocked their involvement, claiming that it was their jurisdiction. So nothing is done. So in an interview for the web doc series, Curse of Akakor, Madeline Plummer's son explains that the story that his late mother told him was much different than the one told by Tatanka. Allegedly, when Tatanka went to look for Herbert, she heard one single gunshot before the man returned, claiming he couldn't locate Herbert. Which lines up with the one bullet wound in the back of his head. After Herbert Vanner, a third person vanished after last being seen with Tatanka. In 1987, Christine Hauser was a Swedish yoga instructor who had been living for much of her life in West Germany. After reading the Chronicles of Akrakor, Christine developed a fascination with the native peoples and secret civilization of South America. It was clear to her friends that she believed in the existence of Akrakor wholeheartedly and even believed that she was a part of the tribe in a previous life. She traveled to Manus in the summer of 1987 with 4,000 Duchess, 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 no, no, <laughs> Jesus Christ, not us trying to pronounce whatever German currency is. She traveled to Manus in the summer of 1987 with 4,000 Deutsche, Deutsche Marks, <laughs> you butchered that, do it again, play it again, damn it to hell, with 4,000 Deutsche Marks which is around 5700 in today's money, in the hopes of meeting Tatanka. Stop trying to meet this man. She wrote in letters to her friends that Tatanka had invited her to spend two months with him. That sounds like a death sentence. She was never heard from after 1987, when she was due to board Tatanka's boat in Manus. When asked about the whereabouts of Christine, Tatanka claims that after they met in person, she had offered to sleep with him and to split the boat's expenses with him for the trip. Apparently, he had been offended by this and ordered her off of his boat, refusing to take her along with him. He claims that he left her at the dock, and several locals saw her there for a few days. But no one has ever come forward to actually corroborate this story. Despite it being slightly more recent, there is very little information about Christine's disappearance. But she's just missing. And he claims that he was offended by That she offered to sleep with him, yeah. Yeah, and she's just offering to sleep with you. Yeah, yeah. I don't think so, buddy. I don't believe you. 
I would assume that you tried to make a pass on her. She denied you, and then you killed her. Now, another mysterious death is entangled with Tatanka, and it is the death of Carl Brugger. The guy that wrote the book? Yep. Now, the writer of the story of Acrocor on March 3, 1984, just days before a planned expedition to search for Akraham, Carl had dinner with his friend and colleague, Ulrich Inc., to prepare him to take over Carl's position as the foreign correspondent while he was gone. The pair were walking away from the restaurant when Carl was shot several times in the torso by an unknown assailant who fled the scene. A nearby doorman helped the pair into a taxi, but Carl died on the way to the hospital. Holy shit. Yeah. The West German police believe, though there seems to be very little evidence, that Tatanka had a part to play in the writer's death. Whereas the Brazilian police are convinced that it was a mugging gone wrong. Why didn't they steal anything? There are so many conflicting reports about this case that it's hard to decide what to believe. For example, some people say that Tatanka was going on this expedition to Akram, while others claim that Brugger was going alone to verify if Tatanka was telling the truth or not. So some people are saying that the pair were going together, and others were saying that Brugger wasn't believing him anymore and was going to check it out on his That's own. That's what I assume was happening. Because I, I do think Tatanka really was killing people to try to keep his story straight. So imagine that the man who wrote the book that made you famous is going to investigate whether or not you're being honest about your story. And you're obviously not being honest. And you're obviously not being honest. Carl's childhood friend speculates that the killing was to do with the expedition, as the timing was too coincidental, and I agree. And there seems to be no other motive, as there was nothing stolen from either Carl Brugger or Ulrich Inc. Inc., however, said that Carl had given him no reason to believe there was any bad blood between Tonka and himself. Which there probably wasn't on... Well, he was probably reluctant to say anything until he had done his research. Yeah. Yeah. It's just another faucet of this case, which will remain puzzling and most likely unsolved. Yeah. I mean, okay, so what motives could he have? We've talked about a couple of them. Maddie has just blurted them out during the episode. Yeah, sorry. I did not wait till the end to share my opinion. (laughs) So, one, he's just trying to get money. He's robbing these people. They're carrying money on them. He's taking their money. He's taking money to guide them, but they're they're never actually getting anywhere. I think it's more than that, though, because he doesn't kill everybody that he takes out. I think that Maddie's right, that it's the people who question him or the people that are too keen to get to this and I, won't let it go. Yeah. Like, maybe won't turn back. Yeah, so I would say the first guy he probably killed because he wasn't going to turn back. He was too invested. He wanted to get to that city yep. too bad. Yeah, and then I think the second one was probably questioning, and then the third one might have been money. Because maybe he had a different M.O. for killing all these people. But either way. Another possibility is that Tatanka was a serial killer working for the Brazilian Secret Service in order to cover up mining operations in the Amazon. The theory here is that they would turn a blind eye to any murders which might involve him in exchange for him overseeing one of the sites in Alenka. 
Tatanka did live in Alliance, where it was rumored he had a hidden stash of weapons. There is also some documentation that backs this up, though its legitimacy should be questioned as it is unverified would explain why he has Brazilian identity papers. Based off his original story, if Tatanka is from like a lost tribe, why would he have identification papers? Well, he wouldn't. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It is apparent that up until 2019, at least 2019, Tatanka was still taking people into the jungle to search for the lost city while remaining a suspect to the German police. It is clear that the Brazilian authorities do not hold the same belief. Hey, I mean, I don't know what kind of what crime looks like down in uh, Brazil at all, but maybe yeah. they're just not concerned with that. Maybe they are just like people are going people go missing in the woods well, all the time. Because here's the thing, and you guys can decide for yourself. But the Amazon jungle is a very dangerous place, and it's very easy for someone to get lost, succumb to the elements, fall victim to one of the many poisonous or venomous animals out there. Also, hunters, poachers, different people like that. Drug could cartels also, be, also. Right, could also be involved. So is Tatanka killing these people? We don't know. We have our theories, though. I can tell you that right now. We'll be talking about those in Bunker Talk, though. Yeah, I guess the um, being in the Amazon is apparently very dangerous. It's very dangerous. Which I still really want to so, go. this is Tatanka. And this is Hawk. Look at his hairline. It's it's the exact same. It's definitely the same person. Look look at his hairline. Yeah. Look, it's it's like literally the exact same. Look at his little... I know. He has a very distinct... Very distinct. Look at his lips, his nose. He has a receding hairline Mm -hmm. with a widow's, with a shallow widow's piece. And look at his dimple right here. And it's obviously on that side too. Yeah. No, it's the same. It's got to be him. We'll post. We'll post a side by side of the two for sure. He looks so German. He looks so German. I know. So. Tatanka literally just looks like it. He looks. I know. He doesn't. He looks so German. You guys, you guys can decide what you think in this case. Let us know. We're very curious what you think. Yes. We. Sorry for spilling my opinion over. <laughs> immediately my, my my like second thoughts like straight from the beginning my bad we are going to go over to our bunker talk and we're going to talk a little bit more about this but we'd love to know what you guys think about this yes so we have a bunch of stuff going on on our patreon right now you guys we have our trip coming up like this week for the uh, week that this comes out uh, it's like less than uh, a week we haven't even started to like really like pack and prepare and stuff but we have that coming up We also have our live on our episode from last week, which is the Beaumont children that we will be doing on Patreon. When are we going to do that? It's scheduled for like the 22nd or the 23rd or something. Oh, thank God. It's after. It's after. I'm like, Mom, we don't have time to do that. Uh, We also would like to thank A.B. Joseph for our coffee today. Yay. My coffee was made correctly today. I'm so excited. I know. And well, I also I, I also had coffee. a I also had a bagel and Maddie also had a bacon breakfast sandwich. It was delicious. It was amazing. I don't really it wasn't I didn't drink coffee. I drank a matcha tea lemonade. Judge me if you want. I judge her. Go it's fine. It. You guys can judge her. I judge her for sure. Yeah, that's fine. I just it's it's so good. 
So go and check out our Patreon. We're super excited about all the things on there. And thank you so much, everybody, for listening and for supporting us and buying us coffee. You guys are amazing. Yeah, we're super excited to get all this, um, all this, uh, this new, uh, freaking this new, all the stuff out on Patreon, the new content on Patreon. This yeah, trip. yeah, it's going to really be a lot. For it. Yeah, and not only that, but it's going to be completely different. Sorry for our last Patreon trips, which have both been desert cases. We're not doing a desert case this time. Yep. So you'll get to see brand new scenery. Yay. All right. Swampy scenery. Yeah. All right. Thank you guys so much. And we will. Alligators. We will see you next week. Alligators. Bye. Yeah, so I got all of the fuel transferred into... So, you guys, I got this cool little gadget in my stocking that I have wanted for a while, but it's like $40. But it transfers the fuel from one canister of propane to another. So when I go out backpacking, I know I use usually about X amount of fuel, 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 but... When I have a half-empty one or a quarter one, then I have to take two canisters of fuel in order to know that I'm going to have enough. Yeah. And it's really annoying. So today I had to teach myself how to, like, you got to put it in the freezer. You got to, like, transfer it. You got to do all of these things. Yeah, I, like, burnt myself with the <laughs> propane the first time we, we do. Oh, I figured out the one that we were trying to do is broken. It the seal is busted on it or something. The the canister. Okay, that's why it wasn't. Well, so that's why it wasn't working. Yeah, the first day we we're trying to use it, and then I like I saw this button on it, pressed it. All of a sudden, propane shoots out direct she, at my hand, she, freezing goddamn she cold. She pressed the pressure uh, button, which you do when you overfill the canister, so that you can let some out. That's what that button's for. Fuck! It hurt me so. It didn't really hurt that bad. It just scared the shit out of me. It was pretty funny, but yeah. So I got. All the fuel transferred for those. That was one of my Christmas presents. And then I also got a new pot, which one pot fits in the other pot. And today I played with all of the pots, which sounds weird. But today I played with all of them to try and decide if I wanted to keep the more expensive pot that I got. And your conclusion is? I'm going to keep it. Okay. But you want to know what the main reason for me keeping it is? <laughs> it's not that... It's not that it boils faster and you use less fuel. It's not that it's lighter because okay. it was lighter. I measured both of my cook sets. Okay. It's it's only, it's like four ounces lighter, but oh still, okay. it's lighter. Yep. Continue. I'm listening. It's the fact that the small pot, which becomes my coffee cup, has a lid. So I can make my coffee in the morning and then I can put the lid on it. I can't drink from the lid, you guys. It's just like a pot lid. But it'll keep my coffee warm longer. <laughs> Will some other backpacker that's a backpacker like me please criticize my mom about this? You guys, it's a big deal. Usually I have to heat up my coffee like four times in the morning, which burns fuel. So well, you could just be take fun. it like a man and just drink your lukewarm coffee. Once I'm not it gets drinking cold. lukewarm coffee. That's I when literally you just down the rest of it. And I you literally just call it good. freeze throughout the entire night. The whole night, I am cold. All I want is warm coffee in the morning. That's all I need. <laughs> my backpacking coffee is used for one thing and one thing only, and that is to get my bowels moving in the morning. <laughs> Sick. Thanks for sharing that. <laughs> I can't. I, I like that she says that, even though neither of us usually even use the bathroom when we're backpacking. No, I can't. It's too stressful. <laughs>
My body says no. It takes me like four days. My body says no too until it's been like four days. And then it's like, okay, fine. (laughs) And I don't know what it is. I spend so much time in the woods. You would think, you would think by now I'd be used to it. But my body literally can't. It's not even because I'm stressed out about it. Oh, I'm stressed out. My body's stressed out about (laughs) it. I'm not. Like mentally, I'm like, okay, ready, let's go. And then my body's like, absolutely fucking not. (laughs) No, thank you. (laughs) Bless you. Oh my god, I sneezed like 14 times last night. Side note, Maddie and I are both a bit under the weather. So if we sound a little sick, we are. I think Maddie one of won't us sounds stop sneezing and I keep coughing. So Did you hear me? Did me and him wake you guys up coughing last night? No. Oh my god. We but couldn't... I drank and took melatonin before okay, bed, good, so I passed out. We all it was like probably like eleven thirty, and we both were having like coughing fits. We could not stop yeah. coughing. Nope, didn't wake me up. Nope. I also had fell asleep to the office playing. <laughs> so probably for the best, because <laughs> we were hacking our lungs. Did for you come sure and knock on my door at some point this morning? No. I could have sworn half awake me heard someone knock on the door, and I just went back to bed. You thought you heard me knocking on your door. I thought, you know, it might have been Phoenix. I left her here this morning. <laughs> she had a meltdown when I told her oh. she had to go to Cordy's basketball game. Because Cordy's ba- I had to leave at like 7.30 for Cordy's basketball game. It was still dark out. So I woke up Phoenix, and I'm like, Phoenix, you're going to have to eat breakfast in the car. We have to go to Cordy's basketball game. And she had a bit of a meltdown, and I was like, okay, you stay here. Go get Maddie if you need anything. Eat some cereal. Watch some cartoons. I'll be back in an hour. She was like, okay. Okay, well, I don't know. She didn't open the door. She just knocked. She was probably just seeing if you were awake. She was probably bored. Yeah. And and for the record, there were three other adults in this house, you guys. I didn't just leave her alone and unattended. She's very responsible, okay? She's not going to go running out of the house or answer the door or anything like that. But there were adults in the house besides just Maddie, too. Yeah. FYI. But, yeah, no one came in, but someone knocked, and I, like, half- was half asleep and heard it, and I just didn't wake up because then no one opened the door. And then I woke up later, and I was like, is that real? Did that even actually it happen? Prob- it probably was. It was probably Phoenix, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. <coughs> Speaking of Harry Potter, you guys, we are going to Florida to cover one of our cases. And so while nat- we're there... Naturally, we had to go to Universal Studios. I've never been. So we're going to Universal Studios, and... Maddie has told me that I have to take a quiz yeah, to determine what house I belong to. Yeah, of course. So that we can Potterland. So that we can get the scarves for our houses while we're there. Yeah. So we would like everybody to think about what house they think we belong to before we actually announce which house we tested into. Yeah. I have no idea what house I am. I, I can't make a guess for myself based on the fact that I literally just watched Almost every single... I mean, we have two Harry Potter... We have one, one or two Harry Potter movies left. Nice. Out of the nice. series because we've been binging them. So we will be in Universal Studios and deciding which house we belong to, apparently, in the land of Harry Potter. Well, because we're, we got to drink butterbeer while we're there. And, you know, there's so much stuff to do. There's so many fun things that I've never done because whenever I go to Universal Studios, it's like... You're on a schedule. We're on a schedule. Yeah. Harry Potterland isn't part of the. I don't like being on a schedule when I go places like this. So no, and we're just gonna wander around and do whatever the fuck we want. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, then there's always whiny kids and someone's always hungry and we always had to get food and my priorities were never where, like... And we'll only have Maddie whining on this one, so it'll be fine. Yeah. 